There's an overwhelming amount of financial advice in the news and on social media. Who do you listen to? Are they looking out for what's best for you? How do you tune out the noise? In this podcast, trusted advisors Emily Augusto, CPA, and Amanda Vaught, JD, bring their extensive education and experience to delve into all aspects of personal finance. Emily and Amanda make topics like investing, taxes, and financial planning interesting and accessible. And they provide a framework to help you think through the plethora of financial advice and news out there. Are you ready to start making the best personal financial decisions for you? Welcome to Connecting the Dollars with Propel Financial Advisors. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Emily. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. And today we are going to talk about some practical estate planning ideas. Yeah, I think today's episode was partially inspired by a webinar we did uh, with our colleague Danielle, uh, which we'll link to on YouTube, which got into a lot of the practical things that you really need to do, like the paperwork, your will, your healthcare yeah. proxies, um, all of that great stuff you need to do. But we also wanted to get into some more of the practical things you can do um, because we think a lot of people hear this whole list of documents and meeting with lawyers and it becomes, you know, this hurdle they need to get across to find a lawyer to get going. And there are some things you can do before you get to that stage that can yeah. at least get you started on There's the right track. A lot of simple things you can do in your 30s, 40s, even in, in your 20s, because I think a lot of people think of estate planning and they're like, okay, well, I don't have assets or I don't need to think about that until I'm, you know, retiring. Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you saw a funny tweet the other day that was kind of related to estate planning. What was that again? Oh, it was, um, I can't remember exactly, but it was something like I'm starting by being responsible by making a list of who is not allowed at my funeral. Yes. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, it, it's good. It's, um, you know, a funny way to look at it um, mm-hmm. through people you don't like. But, you know, we hope the driving consideration is the people you do like, the people you love, because doing your estate planning is really about taking care of them at the end of the day so that you don't leave them with a giant headache or mess while they're grieving. The last thing somebody wants to do when they're grieving is be a surprise executor of an estate and they don't know anything about how to do it or yeah so in our webinar danielle and patrick um who was a guest on the webinar got into a lot of the details about probate and how that all works especially in tennessee but every state is different and so it can be very complex and you don't necessarily want to leave someone um in a lurch yeah yeah even if you don't have a lot of assets or children um there's just some some straightforward things you can do. So where, where would you start, Emily, if you were, you know, generation Z, which is about 25 years old, say you don't have kids, you're single, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what would you think to do first? Yeah. So probably the easiest thing, if you're 25, maybe you have worked at a job for a couple years and you may have a 401k or some other, you know, starting to 
um, accumulate some retirement funds. So the easiest thing to do there is to make sure you have a beneficiary on your account. Um, when you sign up for your 401k or a retirement plan, that should be something required. Um, a lot of people just put their parents as a beneficiary. You know, that's a very easy thing. And then eventually later you can change it to a partner or kids at whatever point. Um, but that's probably the most basic term of estate planning you can do at that age. Yeah. And I think on your 401k, I should look this up before I say, but I think you can leave it to a charity if you want instead of to a person, but I'm actually not sure. Yeah. I don't know how you would actually do that. Um, but that sounds like a, something to look into. Um, another I'll look, thing. I'll look it up and leave it in the show notes. Perfect. Um, okay. Another thing for young people or for people of all ages is using a program like LastPass or one password and designating an emergency, not an emergency contact, but I forget what it's called. Um, but someone who can access your passwords if something were to happen to you. I think social media platforms, I know Facebook does, I don't know, I know the younger generations don't even use Facebook anymore, but I think you can um, designate someone directly in the app to take care of it or delete your account if yeah. something happens to you. Yeah. And that works at, at any age, right? Setting yeah. up the beneficiaries, setting up a password manager. Um, but, you know, if you're on the younger side and say you live with roommates and you're in charge of paying the electricity bill and your roommate is in charge of the gas bill and say what happens to your roommate passes away suddenly in a car accident. And then how do you pay the gas bill? You can't even log in to the account. So yeah. having someone who is able to log in and get access to those things can be really important and save your friends and family a really big headache. Very good point. Um, so for people who are maybe in their later 20s or like getting married, starting to own homes or different assets, um, what's something else you think? Well, I think so a lot of times before people, if they are coupling off and then, you know, before they have kids, a lot of times people will adopt an animal um, or even if you're not a couple, you can have a pet too, right? Obviously. Yep. So um, how let's talk about how we think about pets as far as estate planning. Yeah. So you can put something in your will if you're doing a very basic will um, just to name a caretaker and set aside some funds for your animal. Um, yeah. We may you post, can't. Yeah. I was may, just going to say you can't leave money directly to an animal. Correct. It's legally not allowed, but you can leave money to the caretaker and exactly. a designated caretaker. Right. Correct. I mean, if you don't have it written in a will, maybe at least have a conversation with someone like a sibling or a family member, roommate, um, you know, just to cover the bases there. I'm currently fostering a couple of cats. So that's been on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And do, I don't know about you, but in our neighborhood Facebook groups or next door or something, you see posts like that periodically, like the owner died suddenly and yeah. here is a cat that's up for adoption or a dog. And it's just, it, it kills your heart, right? To see this yeah. animal looking so sad because mm -hmm. they just lost, you know, their world pretty much. And now that's like, what do we, where does this animal go? Yeah. So making arrangements in advance can really help to take care of, of your loved, loved animals as well. Not just, it's not just your family. Right. So, yeah. 
exactly. Or wasn't it Zsa Gabor who left like a millions and millions of dollars for her dogs? Something like that sounds familiar. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be that extreme, right? It can just right. be basics, you know. Exactly. This person agrees to care for this animal and here's some extra money to help them buy pet food, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Pay the vet bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then as you start to own homes, own or a home, own a car, um, or just have assets with a partner, some really easy things you can do. So personally, I have my own bank account. My husband has his own bank account and we, we have a joint account as well. Um, but, uh, in so for retirement accounts, as we said, you can name a beneficiary, but for just basic checking accounts, savings accounts, and other taxable, uh, like investment accounts, you're not required to have a beneficiary. So instead you can add a, what's it called? Termination transfer, sorry, transfer on death usually is the name of the form. So. Uh, for my bank, it was really easy. I just logged in and I like put his information, put my husband's information on my account. So he's not a joint owner, but if something were to happen to me, he can access the account that's only owned by me. So that's a really simple thing you can do. Yeah. Without yeah. having to pay a lawyer to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that just goes back to what you can start doing in, even in your twenties is mm -hmm. making sure your, your beneficiary on your accounts is in order. And as you, maybe you don't have a will in your twenties, um, you might need a will in your twenties, but I'm going to, you know, the vast majority of people in their twenties do not have a will. Yeah. 40s, maybe even fifties. Yes. Yes. I think actually the majority of people in this country don't have a will. I think it's like 40%. Um, but when you get to the point, when you do do a will, the will isn't going to supersede those beneficiaries in your accounts. So make sure you keep up to date with what those should be. You know, you can do a periodic review and make sure you have it set to who you want it to be. Yeah. Good point. And then in terms of assets, as I, as we continue, um, make sure both partners own a home. If so, you purchase a home with someone else, but, or let's say you're purchasing a home with your spouse, but for whatever reason, only your spouse's name, your partner's name is on the deed. That doesn't, if your partner passes away, that doesn't mean you necessarily get to keep living in your home. That would go to their estate and then have to potentially go through probate. So um, that's a really easy one. Just add the partner on as a homeowner. Mm -hmm. And then if one of them passes away, the other one still maintains the home and is able to live there. Same thing with cars. Um, a lot of people, you know, one partner owns one car, one partner owns the other, or however you want to do it. But it's easier to just have both names on each. Um, what's it called when it's title it's deed to a car? Thank you. Title. Yeah. Because if something were to happen to the other, again, it, it's just easier for the surviving spouse to deal um, with that asset. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a couple other practical things here. Oh, and of course, if you have children, you're going to want to name a caretaker for your children. Mm -hmm. um, guardian. A guardian. Yeah. yeah. 
And you can do that in a will, or again, at least have a conversation with someone. Yes. I don't know what um, you suggest there. Oh, I think it gets a little bit um, more complicated with kids um, because you want to name a guardian, but a lot of times you also want to leave money for the guardian to help take care of the children. And so depending on your individual circumstances, you may or may not want to set up a trust for that or do it through a will. Um, but that's something to speak with a lawyer about. But, you know, before you speak with the lawyer, you should have that guardian lined up. And so those are conversations you can start having with your spouse or your ex-spouse or, you know, who if you have a co-parent of your child and who the potential guardian could be. I know sometimes parents disagree on who the ultimate guardian could be and it can cause conflict. So these type of conversations can take time. And it is the kind of thing that the lawyer you meet with to do your will is not going to tell you right. what should be. You have to figure this out on your own. Yeah. So there's a lot. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. This cat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. There's a lot to begin talking about before you even, or things you should consider before you even go to set up that appointment because yeah. you'll spend a lot of time or you could potentially waste, you know, some money if you come in without any sort of plan at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention, and uh, so at Propel, Amanda usually puts together a news from the control tower post, and that's on our website. We'll link to that on our show notes. And one of the articles this week was a about a Chicago man who left behind a million, eleven million dollars. He lived a very quiet life in like a pretty, you know, working class neighborhood in the southwest side of Chicago. And he had no living siblings, no children, no spouse, no heirs. And it took Illinois, I think, five years to finally find the uh, the people this his estate was supposed to go to so he died but they no split will. it among 60 different distant cousins or or so i can't remember exactly 119 different relatives oh, wow. and a lot of them relatives. yeah didn't even know who he was so i mean that's nice for them but you know yeah. will is not only to uh protect anyone or not protect but to be kind to your family but also yes. like to to put your hard-earned money to something you care about. Like he could have mm -hmm. donated it to a museum or some kind of cause that he cared about. Um, so that was kind of a, a wild story. Yeah, isn't it? But I think that gets back to some of what we've talked about on this podcast in the past about being, um, you know, sort of conscious of more with your spending and your finances and making financial plans. It's not about just saving the money. It's it's what do you want to do with that money? How do you want to live your life? Mm -hmm. um, and I think somebody who dies with $11 million is not, <laughs> not really thinking about that too much, obviously. Yeah. But um, it's something you can, you can do in advance and you can think about, oh, if I am in the saving phase of my life and accumulating this money, what, you know, why are you accumulating it? If you don't, you know, take that next step, if you're not able to use it yourself because of a sudden horrible accident you know what what should what should happen with it what do you think I'm yeah and these can be hard things to to think about I get right. that but um you know think of it as a way of 
loving your loved ones and helping to take care of them. I think that can help some people get through to, to thinking about it. Oh, it's not about me. It's about taking care of my kids. It's about taking the burden off my husband if something happens or or that type of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yep, for sure. So we will add a list of all these things to our website. And of course you can reach out if you have any questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I am going to do, have a good checklist of two to supplement uh, the list of documents that you should be getting to um, getting complete with your lawyer as well. Yes. And something new we're trying in this new season of our podcast is to focus a little more on listener questions or suggestions from listeners. Okay, so here is a question from a listener in Chicago. How much life insurance should I have? Well, that's a good question. Um, Typically, we suggest that, or at least a good baseline, um, if you own a home, is to get life insurance to cover the mortgage. So if something were to happen to either owner of the home, you'd be able to cover that mortgage and you wouldn't have to worry about where you're going to live. Yeah, I think that's a great baseline. Um, We're talking about term life insurance, not some of the other like investment products that some life insurance people sell. Um, And then what if you have kids and a home, I would say you also might want to consider getting extra insurance to cover the care of the children. Earlier, I mentioned you could set aside money in your will or a trust if something happens to you to take care of your children, but you can also um, get life insurance coverage to take care of those um, funds for your kid if you say you don't have a significant savings that could cover that. Right. I know that the the person who asked their question was in their 30s, which means getting a term life insurance policy shouldn't be terribly expensive. Yeah. So um, depending on, I mean, if you belong to any kind of professional organizations, I think I've mentioned this before on another podcast, but I found that as a CPA through the AICPA society, um, they offer really great rates for life insurance. So that's where I got mine and I'm working on getting spousal life insurance for my husband through that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of people get life insurance coverage through their jobs. If mm -hmm. they're a a full-time employee, a lot of times it's a benefit. So you can check your coverage on there and see if it would cover, you know, your mortgage. Um, Because a lot of times you can increase your coverage through your employer if you need to. If, you know, if you're a freelancer or a small business owner, maybe you don't have access to that kind of benefit. So um, you can always find a broker to go through if you don't have access to say a professional society like Emily. Yeah. Or maybe in a networking group or some kind of um, chamber of commerce group, you can find someone who can uh, point you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are some easy, easier things than doing the whole uh, document package we mentioned yeah Um, only each of them you know only take a few minutes or like a phone call so we highly encourage you to check out our checklist and all of the links and resources that we talked today about today we'll post those all at connectingthedollars.com and 
We also want to say that we do hope to keep doing a listener question segment. So we are going to put up a form on our website to fill out. If you do have a question, please submit it and let us know also if you would like to have your voice featured on the podcast. Yeah. All right. I think that covers it for today. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. Bye. That will do it for this episode of Connecting the Dollars. Nothing discussed in this episode should be considered legal, financial, or tax advice. If you like what you heard, please subscribe for more at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your content. When you do, please give us a rating and a review. To see the links we mentioned in our show, along with other great Propel Financial Advisors content, go to ConnectingTheDollars.com. You can find our past episodes there and subscribe to our newsletter. And if you're still here because you have a general question, you can email us directly at info at connectingthedollars.com. Or if you're interested in working with us, click the schedule a consultation button on our website. Thank you for listening.